0: empire hello and welcome to my podcast do me a favor subscribe to the giant comic Report wherever you get your podcast you're watching on youtube hit that like button hit that subscribe button you can find us there as part of empire media that's a-m-p-i-r-e always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. Give me a lot of stuff to follow over the next however many days, weeks, months. And you know for, for a lot of the coaching vacancies, for all the stuff, you can check ESPN.com. And they may not just be coming from me because we have a lot of national writers addressing a lot of these openings, what teams look good, what teams openings are the best, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So check for ESPN.com for that. Not always going to be Commander Centric, but it's going to be give you the full picture on all these openings, the candidates for all these openings, all that good stuff. And yes, we expect news certainly pretty shortly after the season ends Sunday night, whether that's Monday morning, Monday afternoon, don't know. Um they 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 will have their typical cleanout day on Monday morning. Players are gonna get there around. I think they, I think right now there's like a team meeting scheduled for nine. It's a typical end of the season team meeting scheduled right now. So don't overreact to that. But, you know, certainly again, I think we all know what's coming as do people here. It's just a matter of what time, which day, or how soon after that game ends. Is there any sort of official news? Anyways, I got my Friday five today. So let's get to it. I'm going to start with Originally, I was going to start with Terry McLaurin, but I'm going to start with the schedule or the Sunday games because that matters very much for Washington's future, regardless of who's coaching or who's making decisions. So we all know that the Commanders have the second overall pick in the draft right now. How can they finish there? Well, it's going to take more than them just losing to the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys have something to play for. They can win the NFC East with a victory. Last year, the Cowboys had something to play for. <clears throat> Um, Washington did not. Washington won that game by twenty, but that time it was more about positioning. All that they have a chance to win the division now. That's a big deal. So I would expect to see Dallas's best this time. And Washington has not played well at all for a long time. There's no evidence, or there's no certainly no way you can say, oh, they could upset them based on their playing. They haven't played well. <clears throat> so even last week, I thought they actually did a nice job. You still, they still lost by, you know, <laughs> it was not a close game in the in the second half or in the, certainly in the fourth quarter, kind of expecting something similar like that. But I don't want to spoil you because I may make a prediction at the end. I know, I want to keep that a secret. Anyways, so what needs to happen for Washington to finish with the second pick? First of all, Washington loses, New England wins, boom, ball game over. Commanders get the second pick. But what if Washington and both and loses and New England loses to the New York Jets? Then what? Well, then it comes down to, as it is right now, strength of schedule. And essentially, there's a one game difference. The commanders have basically a one game lead over New England for that second spot right now. So a handful of games are going to make a difference. Let's look at those games. One, the biggest game is Atlanta versus New Orleans. those that's one game that involves a strength of, that will impact the strength of schedule for both teams. Washington beat Atlanta if it's the New Orleans or New England played New Orleans, lost to New Orleans. If New Orleans wins, that hurts the Patriots. You want that because then it gives you basically a two it's almost like a, a two game a swing there because, It would it would help, it would make Washington's strength of schedule a little bit easier and make New England's a little bit harder. Then the other ones, Indianapolis versus Houston. If Indianapolis, you want Indianapolis to win. Pittsburgh versus Baltimore, you want Pittsburgh to win. The good news for you and the commanders is that Baltimore is going to be sitting a lot of players because they won their division. So that's what they're going to do. Pittsburgh needs to win that game. They're going to be playing guys. So Pittsburgh, you want Pittsburgh to win. Green Bay, Chicago, you want Green Bay. Um, Las Vegas against Denver, you want Las Vegas. The, both teams played Denver. The Patriots played Las Vegas. So that's what that's how you want to look at this game. It's going to come down again. We're you know, it's going to be very very tight here, and it's almost like feels like a political race, looking at electoral votes and all that, but. That's where we're at. So though, that's what you want to know. That's going to depend on – that's going to impact where the commanders finish. To be honest, I think for you guys, I think what I'd want to see for for your for your case is see this team compete, see this team play hard, see guys like in Sam Fortier and I talked about this the other day, see certain players have a good game so that you know going into the air, hey, maybe this guy can develop here down the road. That's what you want to see. You don't want to see a 45 nothing game because it means that some guys may have just kind of lost interest or certain guys aren't very good, whatever. The bottom line is, though, you can still end up with the second pick, and I know, in the, I know come 7.30 Sunday night, that's going to be your main concern. But for me, when I'm looking at it, you want to see who are guys who can play for this team in the future, and I think that's why it's important to finish not with the win – but to finish with a with um, good uh, competition with competing well, right? That's what I would say because I I would always say you want competitors on your team regardless of who's coaching here and all that. So anyway, speaking of competitors, let's get to item number two and that's Terry McLaurin going for a thousand yards would be you know the first time in franchise history a receiver would get you know, surpassed thousand yards for four straight years very impressive. Considering he's now he has played with 10 different starting quarterbacks since coming to the to Washington in 2019. That's really impressive. And I know like it, it's this is a big deal. I think it matters to the guys in that locker room too. Sam Howell talked about what that how much it mattered to him. And I put a clip, a little clip up on, on the Empire website with Howell talking about him. Eric Bieniemy brought it up without being asked today about some things that they're playing for, and that was one of them. And they know that he's 54 yards away. I think you've, you've got to make it a, a, a priority in this game to get him that 1,000-yard mark because the respect they have for him and the respect players have for him. And people always like when guys do something to get a guy, a, to have him cross some sort of a... A barrier, or not a barrier, but like some sort of threshold like that, thousand yards rushing or receiving, whatever. So I think I think they're going to make a, a very good, um, I think they'll do what they can to get him the ball uh, in, in this game, even if it's you get a couple slant passes, you get a dig route, bada bing, bada boom, there you go. Um, again, very impressive with getting it with with all these quarterbacks. And the one thing, you know, it's funny, because the one thing for McClure, and you keep everybody's going to keep saying, like, he's the guy, imagine if he played with a really, really good quarterback, or if the if the Washington was further ahead with their development of Sam Howell or whomever's going to come in, because it could be very well, very, there's a very good chance that he's going to be catching passes from another quarterback next year. So to do that requires a lot. And I know one of the things when you talk to McLaurin, his eyes light up when you start talking to him about, you know, what it would be like to play with a guy for a few years and to develop. A chemistry that he's never really had with anybody on the field because you know he's he's never had that chance I mean he's played again 10 different starting quarterbacks you don't like Taylor Heineke really kind of trusted him I think there was a little bit more of that there but Heineke's got has limitations and so there were sometimes there were some routes where where McClone would be open he just couldn't get the ball to him or the ball might just take a while to get there and might be knocked down whatever but it's also like it's the little things from a coin that he wants, which is the little hand signal to the quarterback, so they're on the same page with what they want to do on this particular play. You see a certain coverage that may not be what they're looking; that may not have been the play called, but based on the coverage, you know, hey, you got the back shoulder right here. You've got this route right here because the because the leverage. You see the same thing. You're on that quote unquote same page, and it and it leads to more on field success. That's what that guy wants more than anything, and you know I think what this franchise has to do—it's not all about McLaurin. You never make it about one player. You know I think what this franchise needs is more help at that position. Get a big receiver in here. They haven't—they haven't had that in a while. I know Cam Sims was a big receiver. He's not that you need a premium big receiver—a guy who's going to be a consistent, legitimate starter for you who can make plays because of his frame. They haven't had that. And I think they need that. And I think you need to give McLaurin a little bit more around him. He's not, you know, he's not at a Tyreek level sort of situation or level of play where it's just like, he's going to just kill you, whatever. You want to surround him with a little bit more, but just know that McLaurin means a lot to that franchise, to those guys in the locker room. And you can tell by the way they respond to a lot of his catches. He's a very fire receiver, and I think like, and I've told said this before. Some of his catches remind me of some like punishing runs by backs that just fires up a sidelines, and that's what he does. So he that's what he means. Therefore, he's going to get that. They've got to make it a point to get him a thousand yards. If they get to the fourth quarter and they're down thirty, the only thing you should and he needs thirty yards. The only thing you should be doing is throwing the ball to McLaurin. Get him those yards. And but again, looking at the receiver core for next year said so this before you they're going to want to get another tight end here. Get a young guy who's got some playmaking ability. Maybe Armani Rogers could come back and help them. Don't know what a new staff's going to think about him, but I he was a guy that I was looking forward to seeing develop this year more than any of the other young tight ends. It was Armani Rogers that I was looking forward to seeing because he's got that athleticism that I think can really make guys pay, especially when you if you had those tight end screens that I know they were going to try and run a little bit more of under Biennemi this year that they never really got to. I think Rodgers would have been a good – could have been a good weapon for him. Don't know. Don't know what someone's going to think. Still would draft somebody or still would find someone else there um, because I think there's a there would probably be a good chance that Logan Thomas – or at least a, certainly a chance that Logan Thomas gets cut in the offseason. Again, new staff, older guy, going to find a younger guy. There you go. But at receiver, again, get a big guy. Curtis Samuel is a free agent. If they explored bringing him back, I wouldn't blame him. I think the guy's a very smart player. I think he can help you. But I think if you're going to add some size there and you got Dotson and McLaurin, then you're probably going to go in a different direction. And then it depends on the cost. So, but I think, I think Sammy has been, a, has had a nice year for them as well. Anyway, get Terry the ball, get him that thousand yards. Number three, wanted to kind of mention because we're at, because we're this is the last game. So last time we're going to talk to like Eric Bieniemy. We spoke to him on Thursday. We talked to Sam Howell on Wednesday, and we're going to, we'll talk to him after the game. Rivera, we'll talk to him on Friday, and we'll talk to him after the game. Don't know when we talk to each of these guys after that point. So one of the things, and you know, they're they're paid professionals. They're paid to do a job, but I think they've been very professional about how they've handled. This situation, this season, you know, Biennemi, you know, there was obviously a lot of talk with him. Sam Howell, up and down every week was a referendum on is he the guy or is he not? So a lot of pressure on that Rivera for about five or six weeks now. It feels like the questions have somehow surrounded his job status. Whether it's for the immediacy of like five, six weeks ago, are you afraid? Are you fear? You know, you are you concerned for your job versus now, which is all these questions about the future, um, his future. And there's not much they can do. But what I appreciate from all those guys is they're focused just on Sunday because, as they say, it's all they can control. And I think like Howell, one of the things I appreciate about him, and you've seen this from other quarterbacks there before, whether it's, you know, I mean, Alex Smith was good in the locker room. Taylor Heineke was very good in the locker room. I think Sam Howell's is really good in the locker room, spends a lot of time in there, has not ducked from anybody and just hid from the media as there are definitely some players who do that. And, you know, they're not, if they're not going as well, they're not going to be hanging out in the locker room. Howell has been there every time. Now you can go up to him and talk to him, as a, talk to him in his locker, not necessarily on the record, but you can talk to him. He is always there. Now, lately he's been in there playing cards with some of the other guys, but he's in there. And I think that's a good way to handle it. I think it says a lot about him. I think you learn a lot about yourself when you are in situations like this because, you know, you learn how to handle something. And I think Hall has. Now, what this means for his future, don't know. Does it mean he's going to be the starter here? I I doubt it. Because, well, I don't know, because I don't know what the, a new staff is going to think. I just know that if you get the number two pick, you absolutely owe it to the organization to look hard at that quarterback position. And while we know nobody's a guarantee, do you want to take a shot on a, let's say a Caleb Williams and miss, or do you want to not take a shot on him and see him hit? That would be the thing that I would look at and with you know so but anyways regardless sam Howell is still going to play in this league and possibly for a long time so how you handle how you handle things goes a long way toward you know winning over teammates respect and all that which is a big deal that the position is not a finished product and so whether it's here as a backup as a spot starter as a guy who challenges whatever or somewhere else he's going to take from this year and i think the way he's handled it is the way, way, right way to do it and you know, um, again, with Rivera, they've known for a lot for a while what they're what's going to happen uh, at the end of the season. It's just a matter of when. the we don't know because he is under contract for next year, and I've said this before for him, if you have an offensive minded head coach come in, you're not going to keep around. You, the around. this is someone else's offense. You're not going to keep him. There's no reason to. I don't know if you're a defensive minded guy what they would do. I still have a hard time seeing him be back, but I can't say 100% for sure because I don't know. But I do know he's under contract and I also know it's going to take several weeks to get a head coach in here because it's not until like mid to late January, I think it's the 22nd before they can really hire somebody. So, you know, you're going to you're going to have um some issues if you if you can't um but yeah, I think it's the 22nd is when they can start interviewing some of these coaches. So it's going to take a while to get that guy, and then they're going to have to make a decision. So if you end up hiring a defensive mind head coach, we'll see. But again, I still, I think it's going to be difficult. And, you know, um, but I would think it's smart for for Harris, Josh Harris, to keep some of these coaches around and let the new staff make a decision on them. Because you, you need guys to have that a new coach or new GM or whatever can pick the brains of Um, And it may help them stick around. Some of these guys stick around because they might be impressed by him, but it also gives them information on what some of these guys, some of these players are about, how they were used, some of the issues that were there. And you need to break down all this film so you can pass it along to the next staff. And so I I wouldn't, you know, you shouldn't, I would not just completely throw everybody out on, on the curb right away. I would keep some guys around on both sides of the ball because you just need that. And same with the front office. You may want to keep some of those guys around just because you want the information and the and the resources to tap into for to get more information. Anyways, so there you go. And but I again I just wanted to point out, and maybe you guys don't care how they handle it because all you want is change, and that's fine, and that's fair. In my job, it helps when guys are professional, and in each of those situations, they have them. And Bienemy was the same guy. That we talked to when we talked to him after he was hired to now his he, he's, he's, there's been a lot of questions about his strategy about the running you know how how much he's throwing the ball how much he's passed whatever he's handled everything the same and he's been very you know, the same and I think all three of them have done that and especially down the stretch it's very awkward for a head coach to get the kind of questions Rivera has um, often over the last few weeks and um, you know he's been on on message. And same thing with Howell. So, you know, again, you may not care, but I do. And so I think it just makes jobs a little bit better when people can be professional. And I think that's the kind of guy would hope and think it's the kind of guy that Josh Harris is going to go after too. not just looking at that part of it. But it's the kind of it's the kind of people that he attracts that are that way. So for whoever he hires. And again, it, you know, it, it's not just about helping the media do their job, it's just about the kind of atmosphere you can create with people like that. So there you go. All right, so let's move on to number four. So two key players I wanna talk about, Emmanuel Forbes and Quan Martin. As you know, I've kind of been on a Quan Martin bandwagon train here lately. Is that a bandwagon train or just a bandwagon? Um, because I think he's done a nice job. So I'm gonna start with him because I think he's a very smart player and, and I think you see that in the way that they've been using him. And I explained that in my a rookie film breakdown on Tuesday. So if you want to hear more of that, go back and listen to that. <clears throat> but, you know, just talking to him a little bit today, talking to some others, just what, what he, why he's been good. And so some of it is that versatility we talked about, he played in safety, played slot. One thing that helps him, he said, is that when you play safety and you're playing the slot, sometimes based if, if the slot's going to blitz, for example, and he's got to slide down and cover that guy, well, because he's played in the slot, he can handle that dual responsibility it gives him a little bit of an edge to be able to drop down and cover in that situation because he's played at the slot so it gives him that that little versatility Helps. so when you're looking at guys going forward to me he's got to be on part of what they want to do because i think he can play and i think with and i've said this before i think they have the makings of a decent secondary especially at safety with 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 martin if they re-sign Cam Curl, I think you should. If you know, I think they can afford it, so I think I would. Not a playmaker, a very good player, and I think he's a, a big help back there. <clears throat> he's a smart player. Um, you have him. You have Derek Force coming back. You know, I think Percy Butler can develop into, if nothing else, a solid backup special teamer, whatever. But I like where Quan Martin has gone. And the other thing too is what I like, and he, I saw this in the training camp. You saw it on film last year too, when you'd watch him from Illinois, where they played a lot of man. But he has – and I think this helps. So it's kind of leads to the point where I say he's really good in some of those option route situations with running backs. And part of it is his feet are very patient and calm. There was one play that he was talking about where Christian McCaffrey wants to run those – they know like – because I was talking about like, you have to cover a d- different set of, of, of talent when you're covering a Kittle, when you're covering a McCaffrey, when you're covering a Debo Samuel, all those guys he covered last week. So when you do that, you've got to be smart about and know who these guys are. And he knew, like, he kind of rattled off, well, this guy likes to run this route. They know that Debo doesn't like to, is not going to run deep routes. They know that, you know, uh, he knows that McCaffrey's going to run option routes. And so, and when he runs the option routes, well, the option is almost always to the middle. When you would see like Jamin Davis, for example, get into trouble, it's when he gets beat to the inside. It was always get your leverage, don't get beat inside. So Quan Martin knows that. So there's one time where he said that McCaffrey came out and was like really really kind of exaggerated with his feet and kind of was waiting for for Martin to bite outside to get him to go to then so he so McCaffrey could win inside. Martin kept his feet calm and and patient and McCaffrey had to bounce it outside and and I don't think he caught the ball. So it, it was a good job by Martin doing what he was supposed to do. And that's why it plays like that, where I think like, that's why this kid has a chance. And someone else described to me as ha- he goes, he has that dog in him and teammates really like that. So I think he's going to be a guy to watch in the future. And I think when it's all said and done down the road, I think people will eventually say that was a good pick. I think, cause he's trending that way, but long way to go. Depends how he fits in the next game. I do like how he's finishing the season, which leads me to Emmanuel Forbes. And I talk again, I talked about him the other day based on what you know, just re-watching the game and what I saw. And I still think like he, you know, one of the things he's gonna do in the offseason is kind of focus on gaining weight. Not I don't think he's gonna be able to put a lot of weight on. I think it's more like he lot you lose weight throughout the season. Most players do because it's a long season, you're just burning through it. So I think he's going to try and add a few pounds. I don't think it's going to change anything for him a lot. I think he'd just get back up a little bit more when he's at. He has very, very thin legs. I don't think he's going to, you know, that's where he'd need to bulk up. And I don't know that he's going to be, I don't know that the bone structure is such that, that he would be able to add a lot there, but he can put on a few more pounds. I don't think he felt, well, I know he didn't feel like his weight impacted his game at all this year. And I would say, I would agree with that. So I think some of the, the issues he has, not, they're not weight related. It's not because he's, he's, thin it's because he needs to get better technique and there were times that i know that the coaches were pleased with how how he handled the man coverage the other day and how he handled some of the the route um just the man coverage and staying on top of the receiver but it's the inconsistency in the in the techniques and like zone or some other little things like there were a couple times i brought the other day about in, in, you know, just playing with your eyes in zone, not turning your back to the quarterback as he did a couple of times in zone. And it leads to some, there was one play where Kittle caught, I think it was like a 20 some yard out on that play. I think it was a very well-designed play, but I also think he lost vision. And so they, that's the thing that they really want to see improve. And then little things like on the on the, on the the touchdown pass that he gave up on the scramble play. First of all, he did a nice job covering the receiver on that play. Until the end, then he just again, it's vision, loose, you know, when you're plastering, you've got to be, you're gonna mirror the receiver and not take your eyes off that. That's an inexperiencing. You can correct that pretty easily. It's just like just, hey, this is this is the learning process or the learning the lesson from this particular play. Keep your eyes on the receiver the entire time when you plaster. So that way, you know, guy turns back, you can turn back with him. He was doing a good job to that point. So I think there was a lot of good things on that play up until the end. The end resulted in a touchdown. You got to finish. But before then, his coverage was very good. And you can't escape the fact that Brock Purdy probably had seven or eight seconds to throw on that play because he scrambled and kept the play alive. Anyway, so there was some inconsistencies there. Again, I think they were pleased with some of the development and progress and some of the man coverage looks, and just how we stand on top of the receiver. But you've got to become more consistent in the other areas because, again, you don't know what the scheme or the system is coming in. So you want to make sure that you're um, that you're better there. So anyway, but I like I said, I I really think that Quan Martin's done a nice job, and I just think that you know he can be a help because of that because of how he was used at Illinois a lot of the man. He's smart and and he's finishing well. So number five, Sunday. So what does this mean? <laughs> it's not about the win or the L. We know that Rivera has a career record. If he win, they finish on one. He finishes one game over. If they lose one, that's irrelevant, right? And I only bring it up because I just think it's an interesting thing because it may be his last game as a head coach. You know, we, you know, I don't know what he's going to do after here. I don't know that he's going to want to continue coaching because. There are other things that you may want to do. And I also wonder the impact of what the last five years on him have been um, from a health standpoint, from just what he had to deal with here. And do you really want to take on a job again? Or do you want, you know, and I don't know that anybody hire him as a head coach um, anyways. And do, would you really want to be a defensive coordinator at this point? I just think that'd be, I'm not sure you want to do that. You know, a lot of other things you can do in life anyway. But point is that, you know, the, the win-loss doesn't matter. It's all about they getting that second pick. I think the owners have treated him well. Um, and the way they've handled this year, you're not hearing leaks about who might come next. I mean, we can all put together a list of guys who are potential candidates. It's going to be the same for every team. <laughs> so, you know, but it's not being – it's not like you're hearing these leaks about, oh, the Josh Harris group really likes X or Y, um, coach or GM – that's all been very quiet. I think that's a, that's out of respect, and I think it's just the way they want to handle it. And I think you know, you 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 they they gave him they stayed true to the word to him and this entire staff. Um, so I think that's that's a that's a good thing for them. But again, the goal here for you for this organization really is get that second pick. And you know, and I know, I mean, for, if you're a player, yeah, they want to win. You want to finish the season on a win. You get to, if you're if you're Terry McLaurin, you get to next August and you see, like, wow, this Caleb Williams guy or Drake May or whomever you get it to is really good, you're going to be kind of happy. Like, yeah, maybe that loss wasn't so bad. So at the time, they don't care. I know that. But ask me again next year if one of these, if whoever they get it to is being the stud, they might be kind of happy. So, and I think that's what's going to, you know, the big picture is what matters here. We all know that it helps that Dallas can win the NFC East. And they have a lot to play for. I think that helps a lot. Again, they had something to play for last year, not quite as much as this time. You know, I'd like to see a guy like Brian Robinson finish well. I think he's a guy who, to me, has been underused this year, and I'd like to see how he. I think he can be a bigger part of what they want to do in the future. Um, So I'd like to see him finish well. I'd like to see Forbes build off last week. Can he become more consistent in some of these coverages? Again, not for the wins or the losses, but for his development, because he is, like, you know, whatever anybody thinks, he could be a part of this place going forward. He's got to, you know, he he can still be a solid player, but he's got to improve in some of those areas. Um, I'd like to see Howell finish well, just for his own purpose, because, he's, you know, he went through a lot, right, and took a lot of hits, and some of that his own doing with the sacks and all that. Would you like to see a guy like that finish well because – you know, why not? But McLaurin getting a thousand yards, but you need to come out of this game with that number two pick. And again, I'm a big believer in trying to win every game. That's what you do as a competitor. I mean, even the enemy said it today, like he's playing Uno. He wants to win because that's what he does. That's how you are. That's how you're wired. That's who you want coaching. It's who you want playing. Again, these guys may not be coaching in the future, but you never want a coach who's gonna say, ah, whatever. You don't want players like that either. Even though there will be a number of veterans who probably won't play, and I don't blame them because some of them may be going into free agency. You, if you're, if there's any questions about your health, you're good. You know, you you're probably going to sit this one out. And so, you know, check back on Twitter, ESPN.com later for the injury updates. But you know, I'm sure there's going to be a few um, businesses decisions made, and I don't blame guys. Like you want to get to the off healthy. That's the goal. So if there's any question, you know, sit it out, and and there you go. So, but it, but I, but I would like to see a guy like Brian Robinson have a good game because I think he can be a factor here in the future. Listen, I don't have. I'm not. I'm not sitting there pouring over Dallas film this week. We know what's going. We know what who they are. We know what on on the other sideline. Let's just go, what, 28-13 Dallas? How's that sound? You go close out the season. Um, Happy New Year. There you go. Um, Anyway, that's it. That's it for me. Appreciate you tuning in to the Friday sessions all, all year. And hopefully next year it's a little bit more interesting talking about previewing games and have a few more interesting things to talk about throughout the season rather than just for maybe the first month when it started to fall apart. So anyway, folks, I'll talk to you again after the game, 425 kickoff Eastern time on Sunday. And there's going to be a lot to discuss after the game on Monday, throughout the week. There you go. Talk to you next time.